Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Shirk, and this week... Um, I am coming off of doing some, some crazy jobs here. I'm, uh, I think I mentioned it before. I'm doing a bunch of spring projects and just, gosh, some stuff that I've neglected for a while around my house. And I was, <clears throat> I was building, I, I rented a skid loader at my house and built a woodshed. I, I cleared, uh, cleared an area out that I wanted and flattened it out and put some stone there. Uh, place some posts, which doing all that myself was was fun, but got it in the works. Uh, it was also fun with the skid loader because it was the first time I ever ran one with case controls, which are all at your hands if you guys never ran one. Um, so it was slow go for me just because I'm definitely not an operator, but we got it done. We got it done safely, and that's what matters. Um, I, uh, I wanted to do this woodshed because, like I said, I have all this wood in my property, all these dead ash trees falling everywhere, and I wanted to clean them up so that way I could you know, not have to worry about trees falling on trails that I had cut and designed a way to, to steer deer. And I also have, uh, have trees that I'd like to plant and don't want to worry, worried about, you know, dead trees falling on them and damaging them. And, uh, I, I figured it'd be a great opportunity to use the skid loader and get that wood cleaned up, clean my wood up and, and get it going. And, uh, I, I got to tell you guys this story with this happen. So one of the things I've been working on, so there's a, a property in the neighborhood that um you know it's not too far from my place that i've been eyeing up and i've, I've been making some connections and I'm, I'm trying to see if i would be able to bow hunt there and it's got potential for food plot options so i was like you know what i'm going to use this whole ash tree in the neighborhood dying opportunity to you know reach out to this landowner again and say hey you know uh, i see you've got these i'd be willing to clean them up for you and just get my foot in the door thinking man that might be an opportunity for for deer hunting and uh it is just absolutely crazy the things that uh that happen in life sometimes and the stories that happen and to make a long story short um i didn't I wasn't able to connect with this person face to face, but I left my number in a note and they reached out and said, we'd be more than willing to have you do that. And we appreciate that. Uh, I unfortunately am hard to get a hold of because I'm a single mother that is working multiple jobs, very busy and running kids around. And this is the kicker guys. This is literally like, you can't, I can't make this up. This is what she said verbatim in her message to me, I don't have help from my husband since he now lives out of state and decided to try to be a woman or decided to become a woman. 
That, that I'm not kidding. I'm not making that up. That is literally in my neighborhood, somebody experiencing this craziness. <laughs> uh, I felt so bad for this woman. Uh, you know, I, I knew she was, uh, I, I could tell that, you know, like yard work and stuff was getting neglected and, you know, they were hiring people. And unfortunately she had hired somebody to cut a bunch of these ash trees down and, you know, paid somebody thousands of dollars and they didn't do a very good job and didn't finish the job. And it's just an unfortunate situation. So something as simple as me wanting to try to go out deer hunting has turned into um, something bigger. And I'm not sure what, but really what my, my thinking is now, my goal is now is, is there any way that I can help this person out? Is there anything that I can do? Um, even though, let's face it, I'll be the first to admit it, I've got plenty on my plate, but it might be an opportunity to help somebody in need and help a neighbor in need, and that's really more important than anything. So I just had to share that because it was just a really, really weird thing that happened. But, you know, speaking of food plots and planting, uh, trying to plant this new food plot location, uh, I think that's a really good segue into announcing something really exciting. So, you know, God's done some awesome things for myself and for the Pennsylvania Woodsman podcast here and put some really, really great people in my life and introduced me to some great people to work with. And, you know, I'm really excited to announce that the Pennsylvania Woodsman has partnered and is going to be working with Vitalize Seed Company. And guys, if you haven't checked out their company, so, you know, I had Al Temechko. He's one of the co-owners of Vitalize. We had him on the show a couple weeks ago. And I think the name of that episode was something along the lines of food plot and soil nerdology. And I said that joking around a little bit just because, you know, it's the type of things that as an agronomist I love to talk about and I understand how it relates. And and Al does too. And, and I say that because in a sense, I, I, I bring it up for this point. Al is so passionate about soil health, conservation, and bringing together quality across the landscape for hunting and wants to learn and grow. I mean, Al is somebody that is constantly researching, picking people's brains and learning, and I'm learning a ton from him too. And it's been a great friendship that we've we've developed, and uh, I think it goes without saying that the mission that they have to... Uh, sustain quality so and and build back quality soil in uh, the wildlife world and food plotting world is something that is very near and dear and passionate for for me and doing it in a system that is natural and is something that can work anywhere uh it goes without saying that i was excited to you know to work with these guys and you know i'm i'm looking forward to using some of their one-two system this year. Uh, I've got some seed ordered, and I'm looking forward to trying it in a couple different situations, some different deer densities, some different soils, some different soil fertility levels, different planting methods, and putting it to use and taking information and hopefully doing some data collection and analyzing it and just trying to figure out how is this system going to work across multiple different areas 
that I hunt and I get to plant food plots in Pennsylvania, relate it back to you guys and apply it for quality hunting and quality soil. Uh, quality soil is hand in hand. It goes hand in hand with quality food plots and optimizing nutrients. Like guys, plants are nutrient exchange uh, organisms that for for the deer and the wildlife that you hunt. That's all it is. It's a nutrient exchange uh, organism for, from one to the next. And the the denser the nutrients and the, the the better they cycle um, through soil health practices, you know, things we've talked about, things like Dr. Grant Woods talked about a couple of weeks ago on our, our show and things that Al talked about and I've talked about, you know, the, the, the more pronounced you can put your, uh, you can make your soil biology, the better off that it's going to be. And, and this system and the, the seed types that are in that their system is really important for making that happen and um, you know we'll be talking a lot more about it and I'm sure you know talking the strategies and how to's but uh, I wanted to bring that announcement up so guys check out Vitalize Seed when you get an opportunity and I uh, I think it's a great opportunity to go into chatting about this week's episode and this week we are we have a good old fashioned turkey hunting BS session. We are chatting with Jason Miller. Jason is um, a, a a guy I met locally who is a turkey hunting fanatic. He takes his turkey hunting as passionate as I take my whitetail hunting, and and you know maybe even beyond that. And he has has gone on to start making his own custom mouth calls. And I must say, uh, I, I was able to get my hands on a couple of them. All of them sound great. I had a couple in particular that like just fired me up. I'm really anxious to try this coming spring. But uh, he's a knowledgeable guy and has a ton of experience. And we don't really get into any specific topics per se. You know, we bounce a cu- I bounce a couple questions off of him and let him roll, and it, it goes into a lot of stories. And there's things from those stories and those experiences, whether it was his recent trip to Alabama or uh, seasons past, that there's things that I took away just within the stories and his strategy, if you listen closely enough, that I think are, are a little bit outside the box or they're just helpful. And I, I, the, the big thing, and I said this before and I'll say it again, with, with this episode, with all the other people who are diehards and passionate about what they do, is they never give up. And they're constantly out there and they got that constant drive. And, you know, he's somebody that has that with turkey hunting. And, you know, it's a big reason why he's successful. You know, he doesn't, uh, you know, he said this to me, you know, outside of uh, our conversation on the podcast that, you know, it's not that I feel like I've, I'm given any kind of extra gift as a, as a turkey hunter. I'm that, I'm just that good. He goes, he goes, I just put in my time. No, he said, nobody sees, you know, the 27 days, you know, if it's a 28 day turkey season, nobody sees the 27 days that I don't kill one. He said, it's the, it's the every year on the day that I do kill one. And nobody sees the hard work and time and effort that I put into it. And, uh, 
it's like I said, this is just, it was, a, it was a conversation that just, when I was done, I was like, man, I want to just start doing everything and try to kill a turkey. And I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I think you guys are going to, as we're getting up, hey, tomorrow is opening day of the youth hunt. I hope you guys are able to get out and take somebody out. I'm not. I'm going to be working on a roof. That doesn't sound fun. I'm going to be ripping my roof off and replacing it. But hopefully you're getting out there to get you your spring jitters out for the following week when we have our statewide opener in Spring Gobbler, which I will be participating in and I'm really looking forward to. Um, I think I'm going to be heading up to northern Pennsylvania and Potter County, a brand new area I've hardly ever hunted. Plan to just turn my phone off uh actually i like put it on airplane mode but use use my mapping you know my, my gps maps to access places the way um you know I have my pins and stuff that i've had but uh turn it off from social world and civilization and just go hunt and enjoy the mountains so that's enough with me rambling before we get to this show uh we got to make our shout out to our partners you know we're thankful for the companies that support us and you know one of those companies that we want to talk about is radix hunting guys if you are looking for trail cameras if you're looking for putting some cameras out yet this spring it's not too late if you're going to use it for your turkey hunting strategy check out radix trail cameras guys they've got conventional cameras that have image quality and video quality that are top and competitively priced and they also have their m core cell cameras uh, check out the stick and pick trail camera mounts and accessories for those locations that just need a little bit more fine tuning for that perfect camera angle. They've also got Monarch hunting blinds, guys. I didn't talk about these too much, and they're Monarch hunting blinds. They've got soft sided and hard sided blinds, and uh, I, I I think blinds are something that are um, underrated in so many cases, especially in the turkey hunting world. And I think you ought to really check out these products. They are things that I'm going to be utilizing here throughout the coming year, and I think they are worth your time looking up and utilizing. And uh, hey, with that, let's get to this episode. So now when you look back at that, we're wondering if something was already happening. Yeah. Because, you know, well, a matter of fact, I was at his house when he got home from the hospital, and he said, let's get this gun up. He puts it up, clear. So I think something was that going on sense. already. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, it's so scary because it was—it was, it was crazy. Because I'm like, I just hunted with you the week before. Yeah. He was up at camp with us, and yeah, that whole thing was was scary. But man, let's—we uh, can get rolling here. Um, so today I'm I'm chatting with Jason Miller. Um, we got one of those days. It's a nice day, weather day. Finally, can get out and, and enjoy uh, enjoy an outside podcast here. But Jason, thanks for for coming up, meet me, and, and chatting. I know you said you like to talk turkey, so perfect <clears throat> perfect time of year for it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So you you just came back from Alabama? Yeah, I was down there two weeks ago. We only went for uh, we left Thursday. So we hunted Friday, Saturday, and then left early in the morning Sunday. That's a lot of driving. It was a lot of driving, but uh, the people we met down there were fantastic. Uh, they had a camp. I don't know if it, <clears throat> they leased like 3,000 acres or something like that. And uh, they have it in, in sections, and it's pretty nice. They have a box maybe as big as your window there, and they have a map in there. And then when you wake up, you take your name. They have all the members' names, and then they put it wherever you're hunting so you know not to go where where someone has their tag 
<clears throat> but the guys down there were like, you guys hunt wherever, and we'll we'll adjust. Oh, geez. It's like, no, we're guests here. They're like, nope. Well, you know, and, and they were they were fantastic. Okay. Now hunting down there, <clears throat> I always say for turkey, if I can if I can hunt a turkey three days, I think I could kill it. That's okay. just my thinking. But, you know, down there the first day we have to learn the property. So we walked I think it was eight point nine miles, I believe my watch said. Mm-hmm. And then the second day we, we hunted but we woke up to a tornado warning. Oh, so it's thunder and lightning like crazy so you know your morning's gonna be tough <clears throat> as soon as that moved through we heard some but you know now they're way out over this one clear cut and you know till we got back there they they had shut up already probably with hens uh <clears throat> but then my buddy andy he he had a gobbler and like four hens come out but they were in a dip he mm-hmm. could hear the gobbler and the hens kept popping up whenever he would call and the gobbler would just stay in He'd there just hang back yep. And then I think they just took it right out and, and gone. Mm. But so, I mean, definitely opportunities there. So we're probably going to go back, but it would be nice to have another day. And now, like, going back, it's like I said to my buddy, we don't have to, like, now we've walked it. So you can rule out, let's say, Section A and D, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and, and focus on where we heard them. But, you know, it was a tough trip, fun. Yeah. We had a great yeah. time. No, no connections, but you still had what what's what was the turkey population down on the property you were hunting well, like down there? I could tell you as far as sign, like they they do these four hundred acre clear cuts, okay. and I mean just like mow it to the ground, and <clears throat> walking the edge of that, there were turkey tracks all over the place. So I believe their population is fantastic, you know. But another thing is, I said to my buddy and and these guys down there, uh, you know, we're coming into this season when I'm hunting here at home, you know, we're seeing the youth hunt. You're seeing what's going on during that week. Then you're hunting, you know, for the adults here, take a couple of days off. So you're seeing the mating season progress. Well, down there, it was 90 degrees. Everything was solid green already. Mm. So I figured we were like mid-May here. You know, so then you're trying to find how to hunt them, you know what I mean, walking yeah, into it. the temperature that's part <clears throat> yeah. of the season. Yeah, and I, I had seen... For the evening hunts, I sat uh, in crossroads on these roads, figuring they'd walk roads to go roost. And I had hens walk by me both nights, no gobblers in tow. That's the way it goes. Were, were they gobbling <coughs> much on the roost at that point? <coughs> no. They uh, they would gobble the one, the one bird, he gobbled both mornings we were there. Handful of times, done. Uh, Just hand was, up most of the time? Yeah, and then when we left... Like, we debated. Uh, it was so Saturday night. I said to my buddy, what are we going to do in the morning? Because you could hunt Sunday. But I said, you know, we could leave here at 3 in the morning, get home at like 8 o'clock. Or we stay here and hunt, and I get home at 3 o'clock in the morning. I said, if this was the last we were hunting all year, I'd stay and hunt. But it's kind of like a spring training, you know, to go yeah. there to hunt here. Break the dust off the vest. Yeah, and that's what I said to him. I said... I wouldn't, I'd rather leave, and he he agreed, so that's what we did. We woke up and left at 3.30. So at about 8.30 in the morning, I believe we're in uh, Atlanta or something like that, they start sending us pictures that their reveal cameras sent them turkeys of out in the field. And then, of course, you think, ah, maybe we should have stayed, but that doesn't mean we would have been in that particular field or whatever. But, you know, I said if we go next year, maybe stay that extra day. But, again, now that you know a little bit about it, 
it, it would change the way I approached it. You know, it's a lot of pines down there and thick pines because they replant. Right. You know, so you're, you know the nesting's fantastic. Like right. their their habitat on this property is fantastic. It's just you know I I would a need lot a little bit fires and stuff like that. Well, I don't I don't know if they burn. Maybe they do. I don't know. But like when this paper company that owns their their lease. They, they go in there and they do 400 acres at a shot. So we could hear the one gobbler on the far side of that. And the guy who we went to visit down there, he was a buddy from Topton, you know, mm-hmm. went to school at Brandywine and stuff, and then moved down there. He's like, where do you think that is? I said, over there. You could hear it that far. I said, if there's nothing in between you, that yeah, just exactly. carries. You know, so now it probably took us 40 minutes to get around this clear cut. And by then he was he was done gobbling. But I'm sure he was in the area. Yeah, they typically are. I just feel like they get whatever they need that by the yeah. they shut up and they do the thing. But well, that's the thing too. Like we were seeing hens and hearing hens, so I didn't think they had to go far. Right. You know, and there's coyotes all over the place. You okay. can see their tracks. Uh, like the morning it rained, there was fresh tracks. So you know that they probably don't gobble more than they have to. Mm. You know, no unnecessary business down there. I'd say. What, what was the? What was it? Was was there like an abundance of hens? Like I know people talk about the South. Sometimes they'll just have oodles and oodles of hens. It's so easy to get henned up. Well, I would I would say yes because like as we're walking down the road, you could see tracks here, tracks there coming out into this clear cut. That I think it was like a mile across or something like that. So it's like how do you? It's not like a deer trail where, yeah. oh, they're all coming out right here. Everything looked the same along that whole edge. You know, it was like probably pines they planted 15 years ago yeah, or something like that. So it's like, how do you even begin to, oh, it's to monotonous. pick a spot? It, it, I would compare it to like when you're hunting in northern Pennsylvania for deer and you talk about looking for habitat and this and that and, and you know, it's it's monotonous. you got to find little peaks and valleys that, you know, just might hold a little bit more. And it's it's kind of the same thing when you're talking about quality habitat. Yeah. If it's all monotonous, it still doesn't make it easier to hunt. It might yeah. just be more game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's more turkeys there than we have around here. However, you know, again, always more isn't better, I think, because sometimes, like, uh, you know, if, if you have one gobbler in one hand and she goes and lays, you can kill that bird. Well, down there they have five and six, so... Yeah, you know you're gambling with what day they're going to be ready to go. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to, how to how to think about it. Like, so I've I've been fortunate. I can't. I didn't go last year, and I I couldn't go this year. But normally, like I I get to kick my turkey season off a little bit early the past few years and go down to Virginia and the the property that um, I, I've been invited to hunt a couple times. It's a working cattle ranch, and it's kind of rolling hills and you know cedar cedar forest and there's some oak hickory ridges around there too but it's mostly just working cattle and stuff like that and you know it's got plenty of birds and you know it's an open area so it's hard to really move on birds we just kind of end up going in in on ridge points where you know we typically see them going through and what's what's just so interesting is like you're either it, it you're either waiting for them to separate i i killed one off the roost the one year and he flew right to us and walked right in before the hens flew down. And every other one that I can think of that I was along, they it was later in the morning and they separated. And, you know, he was looking for a girlfriend and, and you know, called them into our setup. And there was one other time there was a bird that I'm assuming 
was not as dominant. There was a, there was a bunch of gobblers on this back ridge that were you know going off like crazy. And they, I mean, I bet you between three or four gobblers that were back there, man, they probably gobbled 300 times that morning. I mean, he just nonstop. But they were back there, and we knew there were hens back there. But there was one gobbler that we set up on within. Uh, I'm going to say within 150 yards, and he only gobbled five times that whole morning. It was very, like, just subtle. You know, I think it was two or three times on the roost, and then he gobbled twice when he was on the ground, and the the, the second time when he gobbled on the ground, he, he was closer, and we knew he was coming. And he, he, he came in, he saw our decoys, and I had a strutter decoy up, and he would not come in. He just kind of skirted the edge, and I ended up – it was like a 25-yard shot, and I, I got an arrow in him and got him, and it was it was a great hunt. But it was like every other time when it was a lot of turkeys like that, it seemed like you just had to be patient until they yeah. broke up. <clears throat> yeah, so my buddy Jim, who invited us to Alabama, never hunted him before, I, I maybe once or twice. Okay. So when my friend Andy, who uh, – I took his son for the last two youth hunts. So when Andy's kid shot his second bird, Andy puts it out there or something on Facebook, I guess. And Jim calls him and says, you got to come down here. We're loaded with birds, but, you know, we don't hunt them that much or whatever. So Andy says, well, I'm just sitting with him. He's doing all the business. So then that's what we first talked about going. And, and it was funny because I'm just like we got to this first field down there, beautiful setup. And Andy's like, I could sit here all day. I was like, yeah, but how do you know on this 3,000 acres or whatever that there's not 20 better spots? Right. Yeah, we got to walk. So we hoofed it all day and found a bunch of good spots. But that first setup was nice, too. But it was funny because I'm just doing my thing down there. And this Jim says he was having a blast just at watching us read the the sign and saying, oh, here's, here's what's probably happening here. And then, like, we went just sat out at night. And that's when I had the hens come past. And he was just amazed at how, like, you know, you read the land and then actually see a turkey because of how you're you're thinking. <clears throat> and I said, that's what's so great about this. <clears throat> I said, it's it's a chess match. It's yeah. you got to think everything. Even, well, like you said, sit. Okay, if there's a lot, you got to sit and wait. That's hard to do. It's oh, hard it to is. convince someone that trust me when i say let's just sit here on this well, the, one uh, the only reason i can have the patience to do it in that setting is because i want the bow yeah now are you in a blind when you do that yeah i'm sitting in a blind yeah and that's about the only way i can do because if i have a shotgun in my hands and i'm gonna go i'm i, I don't have, i'm the same <laughs> way like i can't i just feel like ah, i just want to venture out and there's nothing wrong with that but i mean it's I kind of just say, like, when you're in Rome, do as the Romans. And, like, I just learned down there from, from the, the guy that I was going hunting with, and he's hunted it for, good gracious, like 20-some years. And, like, I'd be sitting with him and, and be like, hey, do you think we could move on him? He's like, Mitchell, I have done that so many times, and you know how many times it worked out? He goes, almost none. He goes, we, we just do so much better. And I believe that just because yeah. the, the, the layout is so open. There's no cover to move. But there's, you know, all the roosting ridges – whether it's on neighboring properties or something, there. I mean, it just it just holds birds. Yeah, well, like when we when we went out with Andy's kid and we took a uh, one of my wife's friend's sons. His father doesn't hunt, but he would go sit with him. So we're good friends with them, and I asked if I could take him with, you know, because I thought if we were going to head towards Pittsburgh, uh, my my buddy's brother has a lease out there for deer. And they're telling us, oh, you got to get rid of some of these turkeys. They don't turkey hunt. So, oh, you know, as a turkey hunter, I'm thinking, yeah, you go out there, there's probably like five, you know. 
So the the mother and father agreed that I could take the kid, and you know he was 16, so I've known him 16 years. So we go out there, and I said to him, I said, look, we're guests, so we got to let Pierce, who was a 12 year old, you know, let him get his bird, then we'll work for another one. And we're set up. I'd never heard so many birds gobble in my life. <laughs> I'm telling you, when they started going off. My buddy Andy says my eyes lit up, and I even looked at him and said, if we don't leave with two turkeys today, I'm quitting. I've never heard so many turkeys. So we got this big one coming in behind us. I got the little guy here. And about from me to you is where Chase is sitting, and Andy's sitting with his legs that way, just facing that way. So I'm watching this big one come in. I called the hen right to the decoy. She ran in. So I'm telling the little guy, don't shoot the first bird, but, you know, the second one's a big sucker. And I'm watching him. He's right here, probably 15 yards. And I hear this guy click off his safety. And I thought, oh, my God, what's he doing? You know what I mean? Like, I hope he's not yeah, thinking of this. Over. So I turn my head like this, and right here, three long beards coming <laughs> right out of strutting. So I said to the little guy, take one of these. Boom, he shoots, drops one. Because this kid's picking geese out of the air at 12. So I knew he would be great with shoot, the turkey. Yeah. yeah. So I say, Jay, shoot. You know how, like, this all in a second, you know? He shoots. They start running. I cut real hard. Stopped the one. He turned around. I said, shoot again. Well, the little guy puts his gun up. I said, not you. You got yours. <laughs> and Chase shoots again, and so they double up. Oh, my goodness. Now, they both had eight-inch beards. They were, I, I think, Pierce. They took him to the taxidermist to get the fan and the feet mm-hmm. and uh, the beard put on a board. Real nice setup they got. And when they weighed him, the one was 27 pounds. That's oh the biggest gosh. turkey I ever called in. Like, yeah, I sh- awesome. I've gotten bigger beards, but that thing, well, the kid could barely pick it up. He, you know, he was a little guy, but uh, so that was so exciting. And they're still gobbling everywhere. I said, let's get these birds and get out of here. So we went down. Uh, we got out of there down towards the car. And actually, I brought this with to show you. So the father, Andy, he, um, he used to write for a newspaper back in the day. Mm-hmm. So he thought this was such a great experience. He sold it to the game news. Okay. So that's Which, a picture. This is, uh, that was April, April of last year. year yeah. Oh, so that's th- they that's had cool. bought it right away, but they said they'd put it in as like their turkey preview. Yeah. So, uh, but that's a picture right where they killed them, and then there's a picture of the two kids with it. That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was a it was a great day, and then so the older boy, you know, you could buy your license at 16 turn 17 and still be a youth right right. so last year i'm selling some of my calls and uh his dad's talking to me about it and then the kid says you know i don't know if i'll have anyone to hunt with i said i went once the youth season's over we'll hook up he goes well you know i still got a youth tag i was like you i didn't know so i had to ask andy first so i asked andy and he's like yeah he was as good as he could be that kid the, the poise he had behind that gun by letting those three, he said he saw him coming the whole way, but me and the little guy are waiting for this one. Yeah. So he could easily pop one off, but he knew I told him, let this kid shoot first. So I was like, why wouldn't we take him again? He was fantastic, yeah. this guy. Don't we double up again from the same tree? Now, last year they were Jake's, and it took us till 7 o'clock, so they hunted an hour. Oh, that other wow. year That <laughs> other year they hunted like 10 minutes. But, like, to pull a double off two years in a row with the same kid from the same tree. Now, unfortunately, the other guy is uh, 17 now, so we can't try it a third year. But we're going to take Pierce, the younger kid, and uh, set right there again and see if we can make it happen. That's pretty cool. So you said you Alabama was your first 
first year you were down there this year what does turkey season normally look like for you, you pretty much hunt mostly pa do you go around well i, I never hunted out of state before um before this alabama trip but i'm so addicted to turkey hunting and my one buddy he uh he took me back i was laid off from work at 94 and they knock on my door and say hey come with us I'm like who, who wants to hunt a turkey right yeah so they come back with one i'm like so what they said go tomorrow go tomorrow i didn't they come back with another one so then i said i guess i'll go with you so i grabbed my bow and my buddy's like you'll never you'll never pull it off i was like i don't care you know what i mean if you want me to go i'll go but i'm taking my bow so we go out now hell that was 1994 so i never even seen a mouth call up Mm -hmm. until that point when my buddy puts one in and he was only 18 years old or something he's calling and they start gobbling and i can't stop ever since that and everyone i take i always tell them for your first time unless you have the time to be addicted don't even go because it takes for me with one gobble Mm. I, i was just hooked so deep that's how a lot of people yeah. say it works. And you know what? I, but some I, people don't like it. Some people hear and be like, ah, no big deal. Yeah. To me, I, I, like right now, I can't even contain myself knowing I got to wait two more weeks. But, you know, it was nice going to Alabama, like I said, for like a, a preseason hunt, you well, know. Well, it's just it get the spring jitters out kind of. That's what it was like when I used to go to Virginia. Um, like I said, I'm bummed out. This is that when we're recording this right now, they're actually <clears> leaving <throat> to go down this coming weekend. I think the season's open in Virginia now. Either that or it opens this weekend. I can't remember. But, yeah, it was like always that, like, first. And what's what's been great for me is, like, that property down there was loaded with birds. And I have places to hunt around, you know, in Pennsylvania that have birds. It's just the densities are different like i've just been having some 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 different stuff but what's uh what's the what's the off season kind of looking like leading up did you try to do a lot of scouting throughout Well, you know what i used to when they were around where i live yeah i scouted so hard that uh there was a point 10 years in a row i got one the first day Mm -hmm. that's when you can only shoot one but i scouted so hard like my season was probably 30 or 40 hours old when i shot mine 10 minutes into the season yeah you know, so then, of course, everyone in my area was like, ah, what's he doing, feeding him or this or that? Yeah. And then we were actually at a wedding one time, and one of my buddies said, you get your bird today. It was the first day. I said, yeah. He said, ah, you've always been lucky. And my wife, who can't stand this turkey calling that I'm doing all the time in the house, <laughs> she says, hang on a second. What were you doing every day an hour before work for the last month? He says, I'm sleeping. He's like, he's in the woods listening. Yeah. Like, I knew which bird. I was going to get just because of how I would watch where they go. Like, I would start work at, like, 6.30. So I'd be out every day at 5.30. If I'd hear one gobble, never calling. Right. You know what I mean? i just let them do their thing. But let's say every day this one was on this ridge. Now, that week before, I start honing in on that one who's been there consistently. And I'd kill it. You know, more woodsmanship than calling, you know. Well, yeah, it's, it's <clears throat> patience and stuff, too. Like, I think that's probably the biggest disconnect. So, like... I, I said this before, and I'll say it again. I, I love turkey hunting, and if I had, if I made it more of a priority and would to, you know, with my daily life schedule and stuff to go, um, I, I may, might consider myself a turkey hunter, but I just feel like the phase of life and how busy I am, like, I just go turkey hunting. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I think there's a lot of us like that, and I think a lot of guys like to you know thinking about i remember talking with a guy last year we were talking about uh what's a good turkey hunter you know we were talking about a lot of times springtime you're just pretty much looking for a horny turkey that's yeah. gobbling a lot and wants to respond to calls and come in and it's exciting it's fun but like i was kind of curious in your mind what 
what makes a good turkey hunter? Like, what makes you go from that sense of I'm going turkey hunting in the morning to I'm a turkey hunter? I, I don't think it's something you can help. You know what I mean? Like, I can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to explain. Like, when, when Pennsylvania gave this second turkey tag, I was against it because of killing more birds. But yet it kept me in the woods to learn. So what I do, I got a couple of buddies and my son, who he's a Air Force guy, so... But he's close to home. He could come home like every week for a couple of days. So if I get one, I'm done hunting until like I take my buddies or my kids or they don't want to go. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Mark and I have been hunting together now for a couple of years. Mark taught me a lot when we were both third shift years ago. I would pick his brain because I had never killed one and he killed some. Mm-hmm. But uh, So I got a lot of information from him. But now, like, I don't want to shoot a second one until my kid or my buddies get done now if they refuse to hunt like the other year was the last day and i I called my buddy i said hey i know where there's a couple and he had a party to go to or something so i went in the afternoon and i killed one i was only out of the house like an hour and i even said to my kid you want to go i said i know where i seen him you know coming home he said i'm in a poker tournament my kid's always online poker so i was like all right so i go over hour later i come back with this bird and my kid's like oh man i should have went i was like I told you, like, you know, if you hunt a certain spot, like I said, in Alabama, I'm learning at my house, I know it. So I knew where they were going in, where I could circle around and position, and, and again, woodsmanship. But I think what makes a good turkey hunter is not thinking you have to kill one every day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's many a days where they fly the other way or just something held them up. And you got to remember everything that went wrong. And that's why I like taking kids, especially... I. I think I'm up to like six kids and their first bird, probably two or three adults and their first bird. But I always tell them, like even this guy, Jim in Alabama, you know, I'm trying to save you 10 years of running around doing the wrong thing. You know what I mean? So my time in the woods, when I did all those mistakes, I'm trying to skip over those so these people don't have to don't have to go through what, what I went through. When you live vicariously through them, when you get to see their excitement oh, yeah. killing the first bird. Well, it's funny because when when we're done talking here, you'll read that story quick. And the funny thing Andy mentioned in there, he didn't know who was more excited, those kids or me. Yeah. You know, because, look, if I call in a turkey, and, and Mark, me and Mark, we set up 20 yards apart, and we go off, I always tell him, you take the lead. Whenever you start calling, we'll work together. And then we'll sit 20 minutes, and then whenever he starts calling, we go together. So with that, it's like, you know, you just can't get enough of it. And and like with these kids, they were spoiled, you know. And it's almost like I was glad it took an hour last year because you don't want them to think, even if you're in a place that's loaded and you did your scouting and stuff, you can't make it where they think that's what turkey hunting is yeah. all about. And Pierce, the the thirteen year old now, he was he was a little mad that he didn't get to go to Alabama with me and his dad. But you know that's a that's a whole nother ball game than taking him for a weekend. You know. Oh, it is. I mean, with school and baseball and all that. It's so funny you talk about expectations with kids. Um, you know, until I started the job that I have now, I used to go pretty often. I'd go before work a lot, and you know, I, you know, in school I was always going before school and stuff like that. So like, that was a phase of my life where I'd, I'd go and you know, when I was not a junior, I'd, I'd find cousins and friends and stuff. To yeah. Get, you know, that were were juniors and stuff. <clears> and I, I still I have one of my cousins. I, I this is no exaggeration. I, he, I've literally taken him three times, and he's killed three birds. And it's like you have no idea yeah. <laughs> what 
like what you experienced, and they weren't. I think two of them were at the same property, and the third one was a, a different property. It was actually state land. But I said, I said, you have like that is not the norm yeah. for turkeys, man. I, I've uh. well, it was funny. The one kid, my daughter, when she was twelve, she hunted deer. I guess when she was eleven, and then I said, hey, you want to do do turkey hunt? You have the tag. She said, yeah, I'd try it. So I had this twenty gauge on a bipod. I knew she could handle the gun. So now I scouted like crazy. And I had this one pegged. I even said to my wife, I had a blind set out. I put three chairs in it and a blanket so if she got cold, whatever. So I said to my wife, I said, you should go with us. If I, I said, you can't ever guarantee a turkey, no matter what. Mm-hmm. But I said, I've watched this one for two straight weeks. And if I'd ever guarantee one, it would be this one. But, you know, again, I'm not saying 100%, but if I can get past them, I, I'm so crazy that for like that bird that particular spot and i did this for years i'll hand rake a path in like 300 yards and then i sneak i sneak on that path i don't ever use a flashlight and i knew this bird i had to get under him to get to my blind for where he was roosting but he was always pitching down and going out to this uh little knob that was the only access you had to it yeah yeah because then like it goes off of the property i'm allowed on so okay. I thought, you know what, if I wake up early enough, I do this raking bit, we're going to get in quiet. I had my decoy and everything in the blind already so I could put it out once I pass the bird. So we get out there, daughter gets in, my wife said, I'm not going. Too early in the morning for her. So we get out there, and I said to my daughter, and, and my God, maybe you'll believe this, a lot of people listening may believe it, but a lot of people will not believe it. When I scout a turkey, like I could tell you, I said to her, if he gobbles He'll gobble at 10 of 6. I said, but if he doesn't gobble by 10 of 6, we spooked him. It was like 11 minutes till 6, he gobbled, and I, then I thought, well, he's coming here. Mm-hmm. I even said to her, he's coming. Like, we made it past him. That was a big key. So this thing pitches out of the tree and just comes strutting in like every other day. And uh, I'm looking over her shoulder, and I, I'm, I'm looking. I'm like, man, she's right on this thing. He's 20 yards away coming. And I said, what are you waiting for she said, I'm afraid I miss, and you get mad. I was like, just shoot. You know what I mean? I was like, I won't. And boom. I couldn't even stop talking, and she freaking hit that thing. Its head snapped back, and perfect shot. <laughs> then I called my wife, and she, you know, woke her up. I said, call mom. And uh, she said, I should have went. I said, I told you. You know, and it was a beast. I'll show you a picture of that then. I think it had a 10-and-a-half-inch beard, Jeez. fat beard on it, perfect. You know, and then so fast forward to the next year. We're in the shower at work. And this guy says, hey, would you would you be willing to take my kid? I said, well, let me ask my daughter because, of course, she'd be first. So, you know, now she's 13. Now she's starting to look at boys and all this. So I say, I say, you want to go? And you could tell by the body language that she didn't want to tell me no, yeah. but she didn't want to go. And I said, well, let me tell you this. There's a guy at work whose kid is 12 and wants to go, but I told him I'd take you first. I said, but if you say no, I'm going to tell him yes. She goes, well, then take him. I'd rather see someone else. I said, that's fine. I said, look, I saw you kill one. I don't care if you ever kill another one. So the next day, I had all this stuff. My father had passed away, so I had duplicate calls of all my boxes and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And my first vest I ever had, well, this kid was juiced up. So I put some calls together and gave him this vest. And his dad told me he was so excited. So I said, you have a choice. We can hunt this 100-acre burrow patch in our town. Or go to the Poconos, because I, I shot a lot of birds in the Poconos. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, let's go up there. So, you know, you're driving up there. He, I told him what time to pick me up. And uh, the kid says, uh, 
well, how do you, how do you hunt it? I said, well, there's so many dirt roads up here. Wherever there's an open parking spot, because I'm not going to step on anyone's toes. Mm-hmm. I said, we're going to get there right at light. And the first road that don't have a car, we're going back. His dad said, really? It's like, yeah, it's so vast up here. And I've hit them everywhere already. Right. You don't know. I said, well, I'm not here to scout them. So, you know, we take our chance. So the first road we hit, no one's there. I'm like, I pull in right here. So we get out. Kid slams the door and the father says, did you hear that? I was like, no. He said, God, we're back here. I said, really? And I was surprised I didn't hear, but I'm not. Yeah. You know, maybe I didn't. So now I, they had offered me donuts. So the kids ran me, of course. So was I, but yeah. I didn't want to show it. So I was like, yeah, let me have one of those donuts. The kid's like, we, we got to hurry up. I was like, nah, let's hear this bird. Well, now we're not hearing them, not hearing them. So I ate my donut. We start walking back. And uh, these geese start honking on a little pond back there. I said, stop, stop. So we're going to let these geese light up these turkeys. And the old man's like, get the hell out of here. I said, you watch. Well, they, they come off that water, and these turkeys gave themselves up. And the old man says, I can't believe that. I said, see, now, we still didn't let them even know we're here. Yeah. And they're still probably 250 yards back there. I said, so we're closing the gap. So we go back, and we could get about 100, and then it dropped off. I said, this woods is so open, you know, like this time of year, it wasn't green. So we got to get him to come up to the top of the hill. So the father stayed back. I think it was 10 minutes later, the kid had his first one. It was a Jake, came right in. Mm. So the dad's like, I told you he'd get you one. I was like, you can't tell him that. You know, this thing, like you said, this isn't how it's supposed to be. But that kid was so happy. And then the next week, he ended up calling one in for his dad up in Tioga, which I thought was fantastic. That's pretty cool. Because I, I, I think he used, I think he used one of the calls that, uh, one of the calls that I, I gave him, I think it was a box call, matter of fact. Gotcha. But yeah, so he was, uh, he was delighted and very good kid, you know, fun to be around. If you're looking to simplify your food plot system while enhancing the quality of your soil, you need to check out Vitalize Seed Company. Vitalize provides top quality seed blends designed to fit into their 1-2 planting system. The system has been designed to allow highly diverse plant species to grow synergistically, optimizing nutrient uptake and cycling the way God intended. Reduce your inputs, build your soil, and maximize the quality tonnage for the wildlife in your area. Find out more about this system and get your seed at vitalizeseed.com. And be sure to check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Radix Hunting was founded on premium grade trail cameras and continues striving to produce the best cellular and conventional trail cameras on the market today. The Gen 600 is a second generation camera from the Gen series line. With premium video and audio recording capabilities, this product has become well respected as the HD video trail camera. In addition to the Gen series cameras, their M-Core cellular camera has all the features of a quality cell camera at an affordable price. Along with their cameras, they offer stick-and-pick trail camera accessories to allow you to set your cameras just right. You can find it all at RadixHunting.com, and be sure to follow Radix Hunting on Instagram and Facebook. Want to check out Radix cameras in person? Stop in at Little Mountain Outfitters in Richland, Pennsylvania, and have a peek. Now, back to the ship. Yeah, I tell you what, there's... uh... turkeys or something else it's just so much like every time you talk turkeys i just one story comes out into my mind after another and i i I just 
I could never put a rhyme or reason as far as a strategy when it comes to turkey hunting just because I, I get into finding is, are, is there food and are they are they do they have the nesting habitat and beyond that I just feel like it's a crapshoot for me most of the look time look at that face yeah that's a happy kid yeah that's a happy kid that's awesome yeah great day how'd you get into uh, how'd you get into starting doing your own calls so I always like a mouth call because I like to finish with them, you know, so you're not moving with a, right. like, I love my glass. Never have luck with a box, but my glass call, call a lot in, but always finish with a mouth call. So can you say brand names on this thing? Go ahead. Say whatever you want. So I always use Night Hail, mm-hmm. but I, I always bought this three pack and then got the one. I love the one. And the other two were high pitch for me and I'd kill my bird with it. And the next year I'd get another three pack. So we built a house uh, four years ago, and we were renting a place. So when we were renting this place, I, I th- you know, you don't have home projects. It's not your house. So I said to my wife, I'm going to buy a, a turkey thing to make calls. I said, and then, you know, see, see what I could do with it. So I find online just some guy made this wooden thing. I, I got pictures of it. So that little wooden jig there, it just had weather stripping on it and mm-hmm. two of those little hooks. And then, you know, I, I research, you got to stack your latex and this and that. So I would write down how far I stretched it and whatever. And I the cut I put in was a cut that, that call I would always buy. And it was like the ninth try, it sounded what I thought was perfect. Okay. You know, now, again, the next guy could think it sounded like garbage, but I knew that's the call I wanted. So I was so excited. I, I just made another one right away, and I wrote, you know, wrote down how I did it, made another one, put it in, sounded perfect. Made another one, put it in, I was like, that's the one. So I shoot my bird with it, which was fantastic. Yeah, shoot your bird, yeah. Yeah, so then the next year, I thought, you know what, I'm going to make some and uh, maybe give some to my buddies or whatever. So I bought this jig, which had a little slider there, so you see that arrow? Yeah. You could then, you could consistently get it to that arrow or whatever. So the one day I made, well, not one day, but I made 50 calls, put them in a little jewelry bag. Like there you can see them. And I would hand cut them with the scissors and all that, you know, for shape. I had a little template. And I, I sold them for 250 just to kind of recoup my money, you know, or get some back to buy more product. So I put them on, I put them on Facebook and sold them in like a day and a half. And it was funny because my wife says, why would you, why would anyone buy turkey calls from you? And I said, I don't even want to answer that because, you know, you'll not like my answer. And she said, let's hear it. I said, because people around here know I kill them and I'm using them. Yeah. You know, so it's not some celebrity who says he's using them. Like these, if if they're good enough for me to kill them around home here, Mm -hmm. those other people use them. Of course, she's like, ah, get out of here. I was like, well, that's why they want to answer. But, you know, like, again, everyone knows I shoot a lot of birds. But again, here's the funny thing. Like I said, at the gym in Alabama. Everyone sees the day I carry one out. They don't see the 30 days I don't. You know what I mean? The time you're putting in scouting or whatever. So the, the like, let's just go for the past, you know, whatever timeline you want. Are, are you able to do a lot of your homework in the off-season early, and you're usually able to connect the first week? No, actually now, because I've been traveling out western PA to hunt them, mm-hmm. because there's not many around, my my scouting is just remembering what worked last year. But see, that's why, like even in Alabama, I like to learn a property layout first because I think 
a turkey's going to do what a turkey does. You know, like you were saying about ridges and, and the points, you know, you know, if you went to Virginia tomorrow, you know where you want to be. So yeah. when we head out with the kids to Pittsburgh in a, next week, I guess, we already know where we want to be because we've done it a couple times and, and I've, I've connected twice out there myself. Uh, but again, I just think it's a lot of woodsmanship and then making the right call. And the nice thing about making these calls now, uh, the one came out, it did like this whistle. And I knew my bat wing call, I could make that sound. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting here, I've, I'm, it's like a it's like a little skull container kind of looking thing that I got my night and hail calls in. So mm-hmm. I keep them in there. So I, I fish around because the turkey's coming behind us. I put in that uh, bat wing cut and I did exactly what she did. And she ran right to that hen and Jake. And then you knew the bigger one was coming. And of course, like I said earlier, I'm looking back at him when the other three came in. But... Yeah, so when, once I made the calls with that second jig and sold them, I said, I'm buying, a, I'm buying another one, you know, the better one. Mm-hmm. So then I buy this, this handheld jig that looked like this. Somewhere I have it. Oh, this thing. So now you see those red clamps on there? Yeah. Like, so you laid your latex across that silver thing, clamp it, and then the silver thing pulls out. And then that had a... Uh, adjustment that you could get even finer yeah so i made a lot with that sold a bunch of that and i'm thinking i said to my wife i know i can make this work there's one more setup that's better than this so that's my new setup now so how many calls do you typically make in throughout the year well i made i made 350 of them for this year uh because i went to these flea markets and stuff local flea markets Mm -hmm. and uh i didn't know how many i would need so that's what i made for the year I still have supplies to make other ones, but I think I sold, I might have sold 150 of those or something like that. Mm-hmm. So what, what's going to happen here, like I've only started selling them two or three years ago, but like I think once people get them yeah. and then tell their buddies or, you know what I mean, it's going to keep, yeah, keep getting a little, a little better. So like people ask me, what's my goal for selling these calls? Because I sell them cheap. Uh my goal is like when I went to Alabama, didn't cost me anything because I made it with this. Like I want to do my turkey hunting on my turkey calls. Yeah. That's it. You know what I mean? So I don't I don't need to be, you know, a millionaire about it. I just need fifteen hundred bucks or whatever. Yeah, or if you get work to give you a little bit more time to go on those yeah. turkey hunts. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing of it is, I've been there long enough now that I like next year I get three more days. Okay. So, like three days doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a big deal. You oh, know. it adds up. Yeah, it so adds up over time. yeah, so next year I'll have I'll have plenty of time to hunt, and like I said, if if this uh, these calls get out there, like I gave some to the guys in Alabama for letting me come down there, gave them shirt and hat, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, they really liked them. They they were impressed how they sounded, and you know they're gonna tell their buddies. And I think the one guy has a friend who has a sporting goods shop down there. They're gonna try to talk him into hanging some there. I actually got him put into uh, Bob's Wildlife. Mm-hmm. taxidermy out in Orfield okay. has them hanging there for sale which is nice because that gets me over in the Lehigh Valley area yeah you know I got like the Berks County side and then he hung them up there so I'm hoping that some of the Lehigh Valley hunters get some so you were talking about that night and hail set you always pick that one out of everything and I, I think like for, for me I mean I I carry probably more calls with me than I need <laughs> like I call like and I'll I've already been in those situations where you're calling with one, and I'll never forget this. I had a bird so, I called in the one year. I yes. have that pile of them. 
and I carry a second one. So I have so many mouth calls. It's crazy. But you know right. what? It's like it's not costing me anything to use them. Right. So like people ask me like how long will they how long will they last? How long? Well, for me now that I'm making them, I'm not saving them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you put them in the fridge, they'll last you at least a second season, but for me, I every 50 I make I'll cut one for myself just to make sure like they're still sounding how yeah. that call's supposed to sound. Right. You know, so on my on my work table at home, I probably have 50 calls that are my own. But, you know, somehow or another you have to keep track of if they're still stretching the way you want them to stretch and I mean and and they should be because that machine I have is is really precise, nice, yeah. yeah. But again, you don't want to put them out, and then everyone's saying, "Hey, what's what's with this thing?" Well, that's you know? just it. Quality assurance, I guess you'd yeah. call that. But I'll never forget the other year. I I called a bird in probably about nine thirty in the morning. I was hunting with the bow. I was in. I was in a blind, and he came in. I was sitting in a field. He came in about thirty yards, and he just kept strutting in closer and closer. I just thought, well, I'm gonna let him come to my decoys before I draw back. And for whatever reason, he was about thirty yards, and he came out of strut. He putted, and away he went. And I actually gobbled at him, and he gobbled. Then he went back to gobbling, just walking the other way. So um, I just decided I was going to make a move on this turkey. So I grabbed just a couple call, I like maybe two more calls. I grabbed my bow, and I made a huge loop around, got on the other side of the direction he was going. And uh, <clears throat> I started calling, and I, I didn't realize this until after this whole thing was said and done. But I had the same mouth call in that I was using. And he came into it, and he hung up about 70 yards, and he, he just he just was not having it. And, you know, at that point, I could see him, and I had my, I'm had standing at a big oak tree, and I have my bow, and I'm trying not to move. I didn't want to call with my, my slate calling like that. Well, at the time, one of my hunting partners, who I told this bird was, was hot, he circled around and went just over from me, maybe 100 yards, and he had his slate call. And I heard him start, start carrying on on that. And, man, that freaking turkey like a flip of a switch just literally i watched that turkey just come unglued run in and he killed it and it was just like that it was that one change in sound whatever it was it was what i was getting what i was getting at with that whole story is like i think the sound is is so different from what bird likes so i was curious when you said you have that one sound you like do you gravitate towards one thing or something that's like rolls off your tongue better see i'm a raspy i love the raspy calls now I know people that like the high pitch and, and real clean, but for some reason raspiness works for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I use that combo cut. I think there might be one in there. Is that the? I'm not sure. I I I, I got that the other week from Mark. And yeah. I, I so that black and yellow one, the okay. bottom one, that's the one that I will kill all my birds with. Okay. So and that's one thing. Like when I made up my calls this year, I made probably 75 of them. And my wife says, why are you making so many of that? I said, because if someone comes to buy one and says, I want to try your calls, I'm going to give them that one. Yeah. I'm going to give what I feel is my best one, you know. So that's why I I throw that. That's in every pack I sell. But, like, if someone wants something, like when someone calls me and says, hey, I want calls, I'll say, what do you like? If they don't like raspy, I keep it out. But, like, it's funny because you could make so many different types that make so many different sounds. And, uh... You know they're all they're all decent, and uh, I don't know which other ones you have in there, but the that black and red one is a two reed V cut. Mm-hmm. That thing you could do a lot with. 
Yeah, that was probably the most versatile one that yeah. I noticed when I was playing. Yeah, that one you can make almost any sound you want. And then this one here is raspy too. That I like that. Yeah, I was too. I was trying to make like uh, like key keys and whimpers and whines and stuff like that with two of them, and I couldn't do it. And yeah. The other one I could sorta, of, but I mean I'm not the best mouth call either. So like you were talking about uh, raspies, like like. I, I've hunted with different people, and I feel like every turkey hunter has their own style when it comes to how they approach birds. So would you approach yourself as, like, a little bit more aggressive when you – or I'm a very aggressive. Okay. Now, not to the point where, like, again, the Pocono story with the kid. If there was a car parked there, I'm not that guy. I'm no, not, I'm, I'm, I'm talking strictly aggressive well, in no. the sense of how you're calling birds. Yeah, I, I'm not aggressive at the point where I'm going to uh, – if someone's parked there, I'll go somewhere else. But, like, okay, so me and Jim are walking back this clear cut. We drop Andy off at this other gobbler, and we're headed back, and he says, how would you hunt this? I said, if I was alone, I'd already be back there. Then he said, just hunt it like I'm not with you, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to get him one mm-hmm. down there. Uh but he's like, just do what you would do. I was like, then let's get back there. You know, because when I hunt with other people, you're trying to not bump a bird or whatever. But I found over the years, like, I'm an aggressive. I probably call too much sometimes, but I'm also learning. Like the bird I got last year with Mark, we knew there was there was a thunderstorm rolling in. And we do, we debated even driving out there because we saw the weather. So the three of us that went out, we're like, what do you want to do? You know, blah, blah, blah. I said, look, it's, it looks good till like 9, but then the afternoon's going to clear up, and it was that first week you could hunt all day. Mm-hmm. So we went out, and I have good footage. I, I have a hat cam, and I had this hen probably from me to you away from my buddy. He sit with the gun, and, like, the video is perfect because you see Andy's back and his turkey. You could see the dew dropping off her beak. That's how close she was. It was unbelievable. So it was about 40 minutes I had her in front of us. Every time she'd go in the woods, I'd call. She'd come back cackling cut and carrying on and finally when she walked clear across the field i said let's go back down to mark he's like you think so i was like if she couldn't call one in there's no way i'm doing it yeah i mean she put on a show that i thought a gobbler would have to pop up so now we go up up this hill it starts thundering carrying on which we knew was coming you know so like 10 gobblers fire off with the thunder so now the lightning started to hit. It's like, look, we need to go. So we left, went back to the hotel. We got something to eat quick. We're watching the radar. It was about an hour till this storm system went through. I said, we want to be out there when it goes through. So we get, we're back towards this farm, and uh, there's this big gobbler sitting by the road, which we've been after now for three years. He's there all the time. I, I just think he goes back and forth across the road, and it's tough to get on on the left side, and you got to have patience to get him on the right side. So I said to Andy, we could get within 70 yards of this bird without him knowing we're there, just the lay of the land. So Mark stayed back to call a little bit. We move in. Mark makes some calls. This thing don't respond. We wait a half an hour, you know, because I figured he would have showed his face. So I said, let's go after that group of 10. And they weren't grouped up, but it was like on this hill. Mm-hmm. So Andy says, I'm staying. You know this bird's going to be back here. I said, not a bad idea, but we know there's 10 up here. I said, you know your luck. If I walk away from you, I'm going to kill a bird. <laughs> so I go back to Mark. Mark says, where's Andy? I said, he wants to sit here. Mark says, not a bad idea. And me and Mark go set up about 50 yards apart this time, and he'd call, I'd call, and nothing's happening. They're not gobbling, but I know they're in this woods. And it was about an hour, and that's what we said we are going to sit. And I'm thinking, okay, Mark, you know, when are you coming up here? So now it's an hour and 15 minutes. And I look over, and there's four redheads standing out in the neighbor's field, which mm-hmm. were not allowed on. So I set myself about 40 yards in 
knowing I wouldn't be tempted to shoot the field, you know. And now I'm thinking, where well, I was hoping Mark would come up. Now I'm thinking, please don't come up, you know. Well, I my hearing isn't the best. He told me he heard something clucking because I'm thinking, come on, Mark, call. It's about time you call. And the minute he yelped, they walked right in the woods. And and because it wasn't me, they were looking past me. And then once they were five yards in, I, I shot one. And then I hit a tree with most of my my shot, and it rolled him. And I went up, and I thought, you know what? Instead of him getting away, I shot again. Mm-hmm. So now picture Andy, who's sitting a couple hundred yards down the hill. Thinking you doubled yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, he says... I heard the first shot and said, yeah, figures. He goes, I heard the second shot. He goes, and they doubled. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> so then when we came down, he goes, where's Mark's turkey? I said, he didn't get what he goes. Well, and then I explained it. But he goes, I swore you guys doubled. But on Mark's, or on my second shot, one gobbled behind him. And then he said, instead of waiting for you guys, he went and started hunting on that one. But he said he couldn't get it to gobble, so it just shocked when I shot. Yeah, was this later in the season? Yeah, it was uh, like May 16th or whatever the day you could hunt all day. Gotcha. You know, so that's when we go out there because, you know, if you're going to drive all that way and then what do you do, sit in your hotel half a day? So we always go out and hunt two days like really hard all day. Right, right. I haven't. I, I mean, that's something I haven't really done is hunting all day and getting into those afternoon hunts while. But well, you, I mean, they don't. A couple birds in the afternoon. Yeah, I shot a couple, but they're not, they're not a... Uh, aggressive like the morning it's like a totally different hunt Mm -hmm. um actually the 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 first one i got in the afternoon was that one when my kid and my buddy didn't want to go now those they came in the minute i called they fired right up and came up and then uh the one i got two years ago me and andy came back from pittsburgh and i said hey lately i've been hearing one behind the house i have my i always set my blind up because sooner or later one will move in Mm -hmm. I said, why don't you come up, shoot that thing tonight, because he never got one, my buddy. He had only been hunting a couple years. So he said, I got to go to a uh, ump a baseball game or something. So I go up there, and I wasn't going to call. I just I thought I could get this one coming in. So now it's getting to the time where they should fly up. I thought, ah, I'm surprised they ain't here. So real soft on that black and red one, I yelp, and this thing goes crazy. It's like, man, he got between me and my house. So I called again, and he ran as fast as he could. So I shoot this thing took a picture of it and sent it to Andy. He's like, are you kidding me? It's like, <laughs> so the, the running joke now for me and Andy and his buddies is that anytime he's not around, I kill one. So he, they tell me my bad luck, but, you know. I, I'm kind of curious. So you said you're pretty aggressive. So I'd like to pick your brain a little bit more, like go into a little bit more detail. Like what does that look well, like for uh, you from the from like the phases of the season maybe? Okay, so like me and Mark were just talking today actually you see how green it's getting already yeah. like this is incredible for how early it is and i love hunting when it's green because i'll i want to cut the distance as much as i can right and, and that's when i say i'm aggressive i want to get if that thing's 200 yards i want to get at least 100 but with this green you know that should be here for the 29th when we start I'd probably even take it closer, mm. you know, because they can't see. Kind of breaking that bubble then. Yeah. So so you're not afraid. You're either going to kill one or scare the heck out yep. of them. Yeah. And especially if I go somewhere where there's it's loaded with them. Like, I wear my uh, my smartwatch just to see how far I go. Most of my days when we're hunting out western PA, I'm, I'm 8 to 10 miles every day. Okay. And that's probably what's going to happen with me and Mark in Jersey. Unless you get one going, then you hit it. And me and you had talked a little bit earlier. It's a tough decision to run a gun or sit. 
And, and one thing I said to Andy, I said, this year, we now we know the land out there. We know there's birds there. We're just going to pop a couple blinds up and, and wait them out this year. And he said, well, why did we do that before? I was like, because now with the two years of running around, you know where is a good spot to set up. You're not guessing, you know. But I think he'll get one this year because he, he has patience. This guy can sit still forever. Well, one thing I never know, like, and, and I, I play this back and forth in my head. So I, I've i learned to sit and be patient just because I've hunted them with the bow a lot. So I feel like my best chance is to sit and wait. I've learned a lot about turkeys and turkey behavior from first light till noon when we can hunt them. Yeah. And it's kind of fun watching that. But the one thing I don't know is when you're sitting in a blind in the same location like that, like I never can, can gauge what is an appropriate amount to call. In, in a situation like that, when, when you're when you're trying to bring a bird in, like you know, you get, get I've had birds, you know, they shut up in the morning, they get hend up, and then it's quiet all morning. You, maybe you call every half hour, and you're shut. Like I get to a point where I'm like, am I better off just shutting my mouth most of the time? Well, see, and that's the thing when when people try to pick your brain about it, it's hard to answer that question because everything worked for me. Not calling at all. Yeah. Calling like you know, okay. If, if I got to be home or let's say the season or the day ends at 12 and now it's 11, 15, I've been calling this bird on and off for a couple hours. He hasn't moved much. So, you know, he's strutting somewhere. I've already did it where I just lit him up with every call I had in the, in the bag and gotten him. Mm-hmm. I've done the same thing and didn't, you know, so it, like, I don't know if there's a right or wrong. Now I hunted with a guy one time who his, his family friend, an old geezer, you know, back in the day, they would go fall hunting. And this guy would wrench on his Lynch's world champ. And then that was it. One call, he'd sit there. And then my buddy's like, what do you, he goes, if they responded to you once, they know you're there. And they're going to go do their thing if they don't come right in. And he said, eventually they'll be there. And I listened to a podcast of that, uh, Michael doctor, the turkey doctor. Oh, Michael Chamberlain. Yeah. And if you listen to his, his uh, podcast, they had GPS trackers on turkeys, and I forget what percentage, but it was a high percentage, will show up within three hours of where you were sitting when they called. But a lot of guys will call, and I'm, I'm guilty of it too. Oh, he moved over there. You get over there, next thing you know, he's back where you were. So they're claiming if you can get one to answer, sooner or later during the day, he'll be back there. And I've seen that. Honey, yeah. too. And I, I think I've that's, got a bunch like that. And I think that's why I'm so, like, I was talking about this with a buddy of mine. Like, it, it's funny when you hunt with new people. Like, you got to feel out each other because yeah. everybody's got a different style. Like, I'm one where I will, I, I don't have as much problem sitting and waiting. And, like, I've hunted with people like, we got to go, we got to go. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's just a different style. Well, see, and that's the thing, too. Like, okay, I felt bad for Jim and Andy. Like, I actually felt like I failed in Alabama, you know, because I'm supposed to be the guy who get a turkey. But it's like I said, you need more time and you need to know the, the property. And, and like, I, I kept saying to Jim, man, I'm sorry. I mean, he's like, what are you talking about? He goes, I learned so much in this two days hunt with you that I would have never knew, you know? So he was just happy picking up tips yeah, exactly. and stuff like that. But when you're, and I don't want to sound wrong when I say this, but when you're the guy that they want to go with because you're supposed to get it done again, it could take me 28 days to get my bird. No one sees the 27 days I didn't get one, yeah. you know, so anytime I take someone, I kind of feel pressure and, and you know, it well, almost it's, isn't yeah, fun. That's self-induced pressure. Yeah, of course because, it is. Because you're, you're, you want people to have a good time, but I, I yeah. think it's, one, one thing I've learned in, in 
chat with people in podcasting, whether it's turkey hunting, deer hunting, or bear hunting, or whatever it is, the most successful people are the ones that are putting the time in constantly. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you just highlight it. But the thing I really like that you said is, like, that, that mindset that, like, I don't have to kill one today. Like, just take take time and be patient. Like, the season's a marathon yeah. and a sprint. I think what gets me, though, and I, I think where I'll, I'll talk out of both sides of my mouth is I don't just the availability of spring like when it's when it's planting season with work man i i it's from yeah. the time i get up it's just i don't well see i'm fortunate because my my wife and i had our kids when we were young mm-hmm. so my kids are my youngest one's 20 you know so they're doing their own thing so i could just hunt 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 right i'm fortunate because i've been at my job a long time so i'm fine got the days to use it yeah and I'll tell you, it's amazing with this making these turkey calls. Well, even sitting here talking to you, the opportunities that present themselves through something like this is yeah. is pretty fun too. Yeah. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so you're looking. You have two tags this year. Yeah. Okay. You get two tags every year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you do you do most of your hunting now just in that western property you've been talking about telling stories? Well, like if I if I look, I got a hot streak going. I think it's since 96 i believe okay. i've gotten at least a bird so of course that's my focus and it's funny because i'll find myself sitting behind another hunter and i'm thinking you know you don't have your you don't have your bird yet you know what i mean yeah but i still want to see their reaction when they get one and i just know i'm going to hunt enough that sooner or later i should have a chance and one thing i did learn is uh one of the things they asked me in Alabama is this late later in the day because if they shut up by eight they were heading in and starting their picnicking or whatever yeah but I was like oh no like my best hunting from 10 to noon almost all the time yeah and that's what I noticed when I talked about sitting a lot like I've I've had so many good hunting experiences or killed birds or you know had other people kill them where you know that the first rush of the of the morning you know kind of happens and then it quiets gets quiet and then 10 to 12 like i've had so many birds that just started gobbling yeah and like so many close like most of them are just close calls where i screwed something up but yeah like just a one one bird like that's the bird that i've had just run in yeah well it's funny one of my buddies hunted real long hike up in sullivan one time hunted real hard all day say yeah i'll go back you know nothing's happening comes up over the hill makes that one last call Two minutes later, he has a long beard. He said, I almost feel guilty. I was like, what are you talking about? You walked eight miles. Who cares that it was 200 yards behind a cabin? You know, matter of fact, me and Mark, the other year, I shoot one. Uh, we, we double team calling that thing, and great scenario. I shot a nice long beard. It's actually the picture that was on that paper, if it was in there. Mm-hmm, it was. Uh, so Mark actually took that picture. So. After we do that, we take it down, take some pictures, and got it on ice, you know. And then I put my gun away, and me and Mark go up into the field, this field that you see here. We actually came up down in the corner, and Mark goes, all right, there they are. There stands like five long beards. We just walked in on them. And I was like, take one. He's like, nope. I said, what, are you kidding? He's like, well, we didn't call it in. I was like, yeah, but we still hunted. It isn't like we drove yeah. down the road, rolled the window down, and shot it. I remember him telling it. me that. Yeah, and, and I mean... I got to give him credit. I could have never did it because to me, that's still part of your hunt. Oh, absolutely. You know, I said, again, it ain't like we drove up, rolled the window down and shot one out the car. We have walked 
I'm looking at my watch. I said, Mark, we walked over eight miles. Yeah. So we walked into a set. And I did how I want to get it, which kudos to him. But yeah. to me, that's part of a hunt. If I walk in on one, well, so be it. Yeah, I'll never. The, the last bird I killed in Pennsylvania, I did a, a hunt before work, and I, I walked the entire road system of this property, did my loop, didn't hear a bird in the first half of the property. Then I went over and did the second half of the property, did the whole loop, didn't see or hear nothing. I was getting disgusted. And this is like the first week. And I'm thinking, like, what is going on? I, there were birds here earlier. There's nothing. I didn't even hear one to gobble on the roost in the distance. I'm like, what is going on? So I literally got back to where I started, and I was at that spot. Same thing, that last call. I'm like, I'm giving it one more shot. Yep. And uh, doesn't do, doesn't two sound off. And here they were they were down below off the property, and they were they were down towards Agfield, and they were coming up through by himself. And I quick set up in five minutes. I had a bird. Yeah. I mean, it was just that quick. And that's the one thing I was telling them down there. I said – Every 100 yards I call because, especially with those pines, you never know what can hear you. You know, I I remember, I think the last one my son shot on a youth day, uh, we hunted a lot of good properties, had some birds just not playing. And then I remember we came to a crossroads. Right mm-hmm. goes to the truck, left takes the lower loop of the property. I said, what do you want to do? I said, I'll give you my thought. You hunted this hard till 1130. It's only half an hour. I would say turn left, but I understand if you want to go right. He's like, ah, we may as well. Well, don't we go like 100 yards? I make a call. Two of them fire up. My buddy drops back, finishes, and they come right to him. It's funny. It was the first time my kid used a 12-gauge. So they got to 35, and that's where my gun does its damage. I was like, take him. He's like, that far? I was like, trust me. Boom, he shoots. He said, if I would have knew that, I would have used that gun a few years. I said, that's why I tried telling you. But... So that was exciting, and I said, so it was quarter of 12 when he shot, and I said, there probably isn't another kid out here in the Pennsylvania woods that late when, you know, you worked for this. It was, so, you know, things like that, I love it. Now, Absolutely. he's not as into it as I am, but whenever he wants to go, we go, and if not, I'm going. I tell him, I don't care if you're going, I'm going. But I'll hunt every, any chance I get. If I have an hour, I'm I'm out. Yeah, I, and I tell you what, that's how I've been with whitetails, and I was always that way with turkeys, and I've just got this overwhelming guilt right now at this phase of my life where, like, every time that I go, I just think, man, I, I could be catching up on this, or I'd be doing this, and I'm like, <laughs> and it, it's, it's crazy, like, I, I'm embarrassed to say that because, like, you know, I want to be a macho hunter, like, I, I, I remember, like, so, some of my hunting mentors is all like I that would like if I tell them that I like, never thought that like I well, I've never and it's like I mean look you have a house here and I think you have small kids yeah right? three and yeah. three and one so I yeah, mean it's so like, you gotta I mean look there was a lot of days that you know I I get off work usually at two thirty and you know you'd come pulling in thinking how's the house because I had three kids you know a couple of years apart and it's like you go in and they're all happy it's like yeah you know there's days where you knew. You weren't going hunting, and I was fine with it. But like I said, now my oldest daughter lives in Boston, and my son's down near Philly, and my youngest one's 20 and in mm. college, so she goes uh, commutes to school. So I would say, you good? You need anything? And I'm out the door. But Yeah, and you're at the phase of life, too, where, you know, when when, when the phase of my life that I'm in, like it's uh, – you know, my my wife will ask me, "When are you going to be home? What when can you do this?" And you're at the phase of of your life, probably too, where your wife's going to say, "When are you going to go turkey hunting?" No, <laughs> no, she's still. What well, was funny the other day? She says, "So what's your schedule here with your days off?" Yeah. So I open up my phone and I'm like, "Well, you know, the 21st we're going with the youth." Yeah. Okay, so I said we'll come back Saturday afternoon, latest. 
Sunday, me and Mark are going to Jersey. Well, depending on the weather, we're going to hunt three days over there. But I said, let's pick the the good three days. Mm -hmm. But I said to my wife, in theory, I'm off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So then I'm I'm going to work Thursday, Friday. We're going back to Pittsburgh to hunt for the opener till Tuesday, and then come back, go to Boston. My daughter's actually moving home, and then the next week go back to Pittsburgh. My wife's like, "Do you realize the days you're taking off?" I'm like what? Not enough. You know what I mean? Because, but see, I don't take off. I'm not a guy who could wake up and be like, I don't feel like working today. That's not me. I know I get this many vacation days. Like I always say, 10 are for the family vacation or something pops up or whatever. And then like 12 or 13 for hunting and then a few just miscellaneous days. But like, I know my plan is to hunt turkey as much as I can. And now with this new job, I got it. It should allow me to get out in the mornings you know, good before work. Yeah. So then I might not have to take off. But see, even if I, let's say I kill one the first day and the second day, which has happened already, I'm still going to hunt like I'm going to hunt because I want to take everybody else. Yeah. It just becomes easier because I don't have to worry about when I'm getting mine. You know, like, oh, I, yeah, pressure's off. I, I told this one guy I would take him. I said, but you got to have a place to go, you know, because there's guys that hunt where I hunt and I don't want them bringing, you know, so. This guy says, oh, I got a good property. I said, well, let's go scout it. He said, I don't like going in blind, so we drive to this place. He has 300 acres he's allowed to hunt. I'm like, my God, you know. So, look good. Field on top of the field, going up, going up. And he goes, I'm not walking that far for a turkey. I was like, well, that's why you never kill one. He had other guys helping him or trying, whatever. So, I was going to hunt with him Thursday. So, I shot one on Tuesday near my house. That thing had like an 11-inch beard. Mm. Wednesday, me and my buddy, we always go to the uh, Poconos the first Wednesday because, like, you know, everyone goes home midweek. So I shoot a long beard up there. It wasn't meant for me, but my buddy's gun, the uh, action opened up just a hair, and a firing pin didn't hit. So now I'm sitting behind him. He said, what do you want to do? I was like, take my gun. Let me." But now this thing's strutting in, you know. He said, just shoot it. I said, I don't want to shoot it. I got one yesterday. He's like, we'll never be able to make this move. So I slowly start bringing the gun up with this thing, puts his head up. He's like, take him. So I shoot this thing. You know, of course, you didn't want it to get away. Yeah. So now I put that on Facebook, and this guy calls me when he gets a break at work, flipping out on me like, oh, I can't believe you shot a turkey. You were supposed to take me tomorrow. I was like, I'm still going to take off. You know, now I just, I don't need to carry a gun. I said, you're going to use my gun because I have a real nice setup. Mm -hmm. So we climb way up this hill and calling this bird in. It pops up over the hill. This thing is a gigantic, beautiful turkey. So it gets to about 40 yards. My buddy goes, when should I shoot? I was like, now, because he's running. You know what oh I mean? So he throws the gun up, and he shoots right as it's about to go over a hill. And it was probably 52 yards. It was a poke. But like I said, my gun can do it, but he should have shot it at 40. Well, yeah. So I said, go get it. Well, this guy starts running, trips over a log. Everything in his vest comes out. I'm laughing but i'm also ticked off because i'm thinking i had this thing dead to rights for you and you missed it so he gets out there now he's looking down in the valley i'm like oh man so i said i, I assume you missed he goes nope picks this thing up i was like well what are you looking at really nice down there i'm like <laughs> so now it's it's like 6 30 in the morning so i said to him hey let's wrap this up i could go to work just instead of a vacation day we were allowed to be one hour late mm. like a couple times a year or whatever so I was like, I'm going to go to work. So I go to work. So now I got Longbeard two, uh, 
Tuesday and Wednesday, call this one and Thursday. So now my kid's like, when am I getting mine? I was like, let me find one for you. So he did a little military stuff, and then I uh, I found one over the weekend, and I said, we'll go get him Monday. Well, then the weather was kind of crappy. I said, we'll get him Tuesday. So I put a vacation day in. Well, by this time now, it's getting light out at 5.30, 20 after 5, something like that. Me and the kid go in, call this thing in. He shoots it. I go to work, and the one guy says, ah, oh, thought you were taking your kid today. I was like, yeah, he's done already. So I didn't even miss the hour. He's like, you know what, I'm done talking turkey with you. But they don't understand, like, I scouted those five days to take him Tuesday. So to pretty kill much the every bird. every day from beginning of <laughs> April through May, you're up in the morning listening for birds. I, I used to be this year. I'm a little lazy about it, but see, and and I know this sounds bad, but I trust now. Like before, I didn't trust myself. You yeah. know what I mean. I didn't think I was good at this. I I thought I got lucky every year, and my scouting is what did it. But as you go on and on and hunting with good people like Mark or a couple other guys at work, you trust your ability to hunt. Yeah. You know what I mean? But when I was scouting, it was a lot easier. But like I said, see, the birds aren't around like they used to be at my house. So, like, well, I was out Saturday morning because I was up. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go. My uh, batteries were dead in my, my cell cam. Mm-hmm. So I go walking up, and I walk into five of them sitting in a tree. So now I'm stuck there for two hours because, mm. you know, I didn't want to bump them. But I think they knew I was there, so they waited. Then they came down, and I listened to what they did. I actually videoed the hens calling because now what I'll do is, you know, that, that's, that's another thing that I've learned that, okay, so I got that hen on video, what she sounds like. She would start with a key key almost and then go into a raspy yelp. So what I did is I went home and made a ghost cut call, and I have to get you one of those because that'll get you your key key and every, everything else. I should have actually made one before I came up. But now that i hear her i'm going to do exactly what she did on that property because that's what they're that's hearing that's what they're hearing yeah yeah so like sometimes a new hen comes in and they want to run to her or sometimes if you know what sound they're making and there's always a raspy old hen around that's why i like going with that because mm. like you said when your buddy changed that up that one ran right in it's amazing like you could have someone sitting right next to you actually me and mark the the picture that's on my packaging we're calling together and he goes that's only answering you and mark's a great caller mark's better than i am by far but it liked that yellow and black one Mm. and he had another one in so he goes finish it off so he would yelp and yelp and yelp i'd cut in with him they'd gobble right away it was amazing but having him do that also helped because they thought there was more than one but they liked what i sounded like so it was weird and i noticed too like you hunt you've been talking a lot about hunting with people and setting up and doing that i mean like well see years ago i didn't hunt with anybody right because you know i wanted my turkey and i wanted this and that and i always felt well my dad when my dad was alive it was get him his bird first and then when he passed away i hunted a, a lot of years by myself but then i you know like i said if i got one when you could get one I'd still, I'd call people, hey, you want to hunt tomorrow? Yeah. You know, it was like, my wife would be like, why do you care? It's like, I just want to be out there. Yeah. You know, but there's been days where no one would hunt, and I would just go listen. Like, I shot this one bird one time. I have a picture of him here. This bird, when you could still hunt him in the fall around our area. Mm-hmm. Look at the beard on that thing. <laughs> so my buddy shot him in the fall, rolled him, and the thing gets away. So then we see him, he's, he's limping around on one foot. So we call this thing Gimpy. We'd only ever see him in the fall. We saw him four falls, no spring. And then one spring, there he is. Now, this is when turkeys were disappearing like crazy. 
So I hunted that bird 13 days in a row. And when I say that, I was out Sundays just watching him. So I wasn't hunting, but to me, that's hunting. Yeah. If you're scouting, you're hunting. You're yeah. doing yourself a favor. I couldn't get on. One day, he'd be over here. Next day, I try to get around him. I tried everything. Well, we're coming down to the end of the season. And I like this bird beat me, but I told the taxidermist, I said, if I get this bird, he's going to have a messed up right foot. I don't know what's wrong with it. He goes, why are you telling me that? I said, because if I get him, I want you to understand that's the one bird I was hunting. You know what I mean? Like it was all or nothing for this guy. And what I did was the one morning I got a little lazy, you know, waking up. Turkey hunters get tired because oh, they're absolutely. up so early and, you know, you don't want to. Days are long at times. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't want to go to bed early because I, know, I don't know about your wife, but my wife's like, oh, why do you got to get up so early? Then you want to go to bed, but whatever. Yeah. So one morning, I was a little lazy. I get up. I start walking in. Well, he's gobbling. He stops. It's like he saw me. But now, okay, so the day's over. This is where I say about you don't have to kill one every day. But I'm like, now where is he? Because now that I'm seen, gig is up, but where's this bird? I'm looking, looking. Well, here, the way the hill dropped off, he was level with me, but 200 yards out. But because of how this bull was, he sounded like he was closer. I was like, okay. So I leave there. I go to work that day. And, and what I would do is I would always tell my boss, because we were allowed to call in the day of if you wanted to use vacation. So if I had him going good, I'd call up and say, I'm not coming in. Or if he didn't seem to want to play, I'd go to work. So all day at work, I'm thinking, what am I going to do for this? I've tried everything. But I thought the only thing I never did was put a decoy out because I never knew where he was, and I didn't know if I could. So that night, that was before they started this afternoon hunt, I went out and put my full strutter out right where that thing seen me. So I get out of there. Now, again, that bird was gobbling at 520 every day. So the next morning, I got in there at 4 o'clock in the morning. I mean, I'm sitting at 4 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. pitch black out. And I'm thinking, okay, 5.15, you know, I got five minutes. Either this spooked him or me seeing him yesterday spooked him, you know. And it was like 5.18. He's a minute early. He triples right away. And I was like, he had to see this thing. So I gobble. And all of a sudden I see a pitch out of the tree, lands right next to it. Well, maybe 20 yards back, running. I'm on it with my red dot. I'm like, where's the beard? It should be swinging. This thing's got to be gigantic. Well, here's a hen. Mm. So thank God I didn't shoot but she comes in and starts purring and strutting around this decoy well he's thundering off you see him just drop out of the tree and every step he takes he's gobbling coming up my heart's pounding you know and it's only me and them and that's the thing that i tell people i'm the only one who knows what happened that day but it was like i won the world cup you know so he gets up i see his head he gobbles like 20 yards from me and i mean she just turned and runs right to him and they go down the hill i'm like you gotta be kidding so then, you know, you're thinking, do I run over to the hill and shoot? That ain't going to work. You know, I'll get halfway, he'll fly off. So I take my gobble shaker and I hit it. Well, she runs back up. So there I sit, gun on my knee, gobble shaker in my hand, and now he's coming again. So she gets behind my tail, my strutter. I drop the thing, I get my gun up. He's about 20 yards maybe from showing his face. He thunder gobbles again. She runs back to him. I gobble again, pick my gun up, and she came back a third time, and he comes walking up, and I shoot this thing. And I'm standing there yelling, yes! You know, because I think I wasted nine vacation days in those 13 days. Oh, my word. But, you know, like, and that's why I went home. I killed him by a quarter of six, I guess it was. When I got home, then I said to my wife, I said, you know, I'm mounting this thing. She goes, you're going to mount a turkey. I said, well, the story that goes with it is pretty good, you know, with my buddy shooting it. I said, but 
I know what I put into this thing. I mean, there I was Sunday, like half a day Sunday, watching or listening. What's he mm-hmm. doing? And you know, so every every day I look at that thing, and that's like my best trophy I ever got. That's awesome. That like, that's why we hunt. I mean, that's yeah. The you're and and about people that people. don't hunt don't understand it. But oh, like yeah. the adrenaline that morning. I didn't even know what to do. You know what I mean? I was so excited when I shot this thing. So I called the taxidermist. I said, hey, because he, he worked where I work. And he says, what's up? I said, I got that bird. He goes, how big is the beard? I said, it's at least a foot. He's like, yeah, get the hell out of here. It's like, well, you'll see it. So if I'm lying to you, you'll see it. So I take it over there after work. And he's like, oh, my God, it was 12 inches solid. I mean, the whole thing. Well, you've seen it. So and, and what was wrong with his foot, I actually took a picture uh my buddy actually just shot his front toe off so with a, he wasn't with, a, with archery no with a with shotgun a gun, with but a see what was funny is so he wasn't really limping it was just like instead of pushing off of that he rolled over it mm-hmm. you know so he walked like that but yeah so i told my buddy i mounted it just because he couldn't kill it and i could you know it's a yeah of course joke, getting got, get... yeah so, 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 like, when you go to Jersey, like, you were talking a bunch about hunting some specific farms and kind of seeing what they're doing, but versus hunting where you're going to hunt in New Jersey, which is bigger public land, is not as much fields, is more monotonous and stuff. Yep. Are you going to go kind of high ground, l- listen for birds? you yeah. got to kind of have some areas well, see, to Yeah, out. so, okay, for instance, the first time I ever hunted them in the Poconos, we were bear hunting a year before, and I, I scouted for bear spots, you know, from a couple of us that were going to go up. And I get on this one knob, and I put that back then when you had a GPS, you didn't have all this on your phone. Yeah. I put in turkey spot. So I told my buddy, next year, we're going up that Wednesday. We're going right in there. So me and my buddy get in there. Well, he's calling. They answer slate. Now, we've never hunted before, me and this guy. So if it was me and my kid, we're sitting where we can communicate, and we're doubling, you know. So here come these birds. Longbeard goes through at 35. And my buddy's over here. I can't see. So I'm like this. I thought, okay, I'll let the first one go, and I'm on the second one. As soon as Derek pulls the trigger, I'm hitting it. Well, the second one walks through. Third one's coming up. I'm thinking, come on, Derek, shoot. I follow the third one. Get on the fourth bird, another long beard. He goes through. Now, I know they got to be close because they're coming at this angle, right? So the fifth bird's standing out there at like 35, 40 yards looking around. And all of a sudden, these start putting, and I just, boom, I shoot the fifth bird. I get up there, it's got a three-inch beard on it. The first four that went through were humongous. So I said, what, what were you doing? He goes, oh, when me and my buddies hunt together, who's ever the gun is the gun. He goes, I had my gun behind me. Those birds were 10 yards in front of me. I was like, man, if you get two birds coming. Shoot them. Yeah, we got to be ready to <laughs> shoot. Bust them. <laughs> so the, actually, the next year, then we went up and we had seven come in and we doubled up up there that year because it's like, man, if they're, you, you know how it is, you could not get another opportunity all season. Well, that's just it. And, just and it was funny. Yeah. Well, I didn't last year because the year before they seemed to be real scarce, but now I heard uh, that the hatch was pretty good up there this year. So I'll probably definitely go. Well, I got another new guy that wants to go. I told him we'll go the first Wednesday. We're going to go up there and run around. I said, now we'll watch the weather. If it's bad, we'll go Thursday or whatever. But he never turkey hunted before. So there again, I know I'm going into that as the gun number two. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll never put myself in front of a guy who never had one. Yeah. You know, so if he gets one, that would be cool. But, you know, I'm going to try like hell to get him one. Yeah. But, you know, you're going into that as... Two things got to work out for me to get a shot. But I'm fine with it because I'm hoping to have at least one, maybe by uh, Jersey or something. 
But what we'll do up there, so back to that, when we were bear hunting, even though I'm bear hunting, I'm just looking for turkeys. I'm the opposite. If I'm turkey hunting, I'm thinking deer and bear. <laughs> yeah, so I'm walking around like we're actually where Mark shot his deer, where yeah. all this business went down. Uh, beautiful. I mean, it's a hike. But so the way I see it is we could call our way in there and then maybe hang out back there yeah. where they were hanging out. But, like, so we're what we're going to do the first day is leave my house probably really early. Maybe we won't even get there at first light. And then we're going to stay there the next two nights or whatever. You know, so we'll be out early the next couple of days. But it's like I said to him, if you don't know where they roost, you're kind of just throwing a dart anyway, you yeah. know. Let them stretch your wings a little bit. Yeah, and then, and then hit them a little later. But I just don't know what the pressure's like over there. I don't know. You know, but it's so vast. You know, a lot of people don't hunt like I do, where mm-hmm. they'll just walk and walk and walk. They'll go 100 yards off and, and wait. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and we were talking about like calling and stuff and and everything else. Like pressure, pressure affects all wildlife too. But turkeys are one that I guess it just seems like the places I've hunted, pressure is probably the number one killer as far yeah. as for me. Yeah. But well, you know that's the thing too. Like I've killed a lot of birds that even in public land right in town, you know the burrow woods where, you know there's cars there every day. But I would just go in there and like. I don't quit. You know, you know what I mean? So like I'll hunt every day till noon that I can hunt till noon. And then those long days I leave work and I'm I'm out there if I don't have one. So I I think the hours and that's what I try to explain to people. If you hunt 1 hour and I hunt 100, the odds are in my favor that sooner or later I'm going to bump into one. And that's how my first 10 years I would always think, "Ah, you just got lucky again. You bumped into one." But then you start realizing Every year, doing the same thing, maybe I was on to something, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I did shoot after that. I told you I had the 10 years in a row where I got one the first day. I bought the gobbler guillotines, mm-hmm. bought a blind, and that was my mission, was to scout like crazy and pick one off. And I did. I shot I shot the head off of one with those. It was amazing. And then, of course, everyone's like, oh, you're lucky, you're lucky. So the next year, that was my goal again, to prove that I didn't just get lucky. So I shot one the second year. Well, then my kid was old enough to hunt. So I kind of packed the bow away. Now I will sometimes, if I'm going for number two, and I know I'm sitting near the house, where I could put a blind, you know, but, like, I want running gun with my bow. Right. You know, you, you know how that, bow. yeah. So it's, I've tried it. It's very yeah. hard. But, I mean, I've killed two I killed two birds with the with the bow in PA in the fall when I was deer hunting, and then I've killed birds in Virginia. I still have yet to kill one in the springtime in PA. I've screwed up on so many birds. Really? If I if I would have taken a shotgun all the years, <laughs> man, I I would have so many more birds. But I took the bow for so many years, and I just well, for, first of all, I would get so worked up with turkeys when they'd come in with the bow, like to the point where I was hyperventilating, shaking. Isn't that I, great though? Well, it is, but it's like. <laughs> Jeez, and pizza, it's a 20-pound freaking bird, and it's getting me that fired up that I can't even shoot my bow. But then I've just had other senses where, like, you know, I had one come in where he just hung up at decoys and went around the distance and shit. Like, just, it never, ever would just be perfect. Yeah. Like, well, it was funny. The The first one I got with those guillotines, my kid was six, and he got hit in the mouth with the baseball the night before. So I had to be out of the woods at 8 o'clock to take him to the dentist for x-rays and stuff. So I carry, I felt so bad for him. So I carry him in. I got my bow in his hand. He's choking the decoy. And I had my path raked out, you know. And I had a blanket in there for him and stuff. And 
Uh, the birds flew away, and then about 7 o'clock, they're coming back. Well, he's sleeping. And when I say coming back, I heard a putt, and there sits one. I thought, I can't wake him because you know he's going to startle, you know? So I draw my bow back. Three of them are just strutting in towards the decoy, and I let it rip. And it just whack. There it lays. So I get him up. I said, hey, hey, Hunter, get up, get up. So now he's staying. It was perfect. Little guy holding the window, facing the window, and these other two are beating the one that I killed. Mm-hmm. And they're gobbling like crazy. So my dad was over the hill, maybe 100 yards, and he's like on the radio. He goes, hey, are you going to shoot or what? I said, I got one already. He goes, well, I didn't hear you shoot. I said, I got my bow. He goes, are you kidding? I was like, no. I said, look, these things aren't paying attention to anything. Start working your way up here. Well, he was slow getting around, but he got just, I said, where are you at? He goes, cresting the hill. I was like, just wait, because now they're, they don't know he's coming, but they're done fighting. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I tried calling again, but the whole time my kid's like, shoot another one. I was like, no, that's not what we're doing here, especially when Pappy's right down the hill. Like, I would have loved to, just so the kid could see it happen. But yet I thought, I'm not teaching him this, and my dad's right here, and whatever, whatever. And, you know, then my dad and my buddy come up, and we walk out to this thing, and there's the neck, and the head's laying here. It was like, and my buddy even said it, and like what, I, what I'd say to you. So you could have had a lot more turkeys with a shotgun, but yet you made the commitment, and that's what I did that year. Like, my buddy said, I got to give you credit. I would have never did it. Yeah. And that's the thing. I had to, I had to be like, well, this is what I want to do. And, it, and like, my blind was where, that's where I sat. Mm-hmm. I sat there three days just from light till noon. Yeah. Because I couldn't chase them, but getting that was, was fantastic. You better believe it. Yeah, so. Well, hey, we've been rambling on for a long time. We could talk turkey probably <laughs> all day long. But, hey, let's let's uh, let's wrap this up. I want to, uh, real, real quick, plug your plug your call business a little bit more. Where can people find your calls and, and, and stuff you're doing? Well, I'm, I'm on Instagram at, uh, let me check to make sure here. I know what I'm talking about, but. It's uh, J. Miller Custom Calls. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you find me on Instagram or, uh, like, I know on my packaging, you can scan that Q code and then yeah. it takes you to my website. But I don't think you can get on it just uh, just by putting it in. I don't know what my daughter said. But, yeah, it's J. Miller Custom Calls. Look me up on uh, Instagram or Facebook. I actually have a page. Yeah, I'll tag everything on that, too, in the show notes here. Yeah, and then if you if you want to do that, too, I'll give you my phone number to put on there. Sure. Like, if you text me, we'll, like, I like to talk and say, hey, what do you like? Again, you like raspy, you like this, and then I'll put them together for you and, you know, in a package like that and then mail them to you. Like, I, I've gotten Georgia, they kill with my calls, uh, obviously Pennsylvania, Maryland, Kentucky and I think Tennessee so far. Not too so when I, I had to go to work for in Iowa for a week back in January, so I gave some of those guys, mm-hmm. you know, because again, give a couple guys these calls and then you know they give them or use them and you know I'm hoping to get some business. I'd like to get a turkey killed in every state with these things. That'd be awesome. Yeah, That'd be it's awesome. just exciting. Like last year, we had 28 confirmed kills with my calls, but there's a lot of people that I don't even know who they were. You know, I shipped them to them or whatever. So they definitely they definitely work, and it's funny. People would say to me, do they work? I was like, well, for me, but it doesn't mean just because you bought one, you're going to get one. You know what I mean? You still got to hunt. You oh, still got to, you know, and that's, yeah, that's the thing. But, yeah, so it's J. Miller Custom Calls, and uh, 
I sell them pretty cheap. So it's like five bucks a call. Yeah. You know, and then plus shipping or whatever. But uh, like I said, I'm not in it to quit my job. I'm in it to pay for my licenses for, well, like my Jersey license I paid for that, my Alabama license, and so far the travel. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so far... Yeah, like, covers cover yourself yeah. to keep doing, keep keep feeding the feed the yeah. addiction. And it's funny too, because like the the good people I met down there in Alabama, they loved them, and they're going to spread the word. So it's gonna it's gonna come around. You Absolutely. know what I mean? And it's just the more that get out there, the better. And I always tell people too, especially local people, you want to come up and hear them. I'll run them for you, which helps sell them. You know, uh, or tell your friends or whatever. You know, but if you talk to me and you say, hey, I'm a beginner, I have beginner calls all the way to, you know, expert level calls. So, like, I try to give them to the people who who they'd fit, you know. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Well, hey, this has been fun. Thanks for thanks for doing this with me, and good luck. And yeah. good luck. You taking out new people this year? Um, yeah, well, the, the one the guy, the guy. midweek. And also, so the, the one youth is 17 now. So we have another kid we're going to take. Me and my buddy, he debated it. I said, look, it's your call. You know the kid. I don't. I said, but this is what we're all about. And if we're going to make the trip, you know, but then I said, here's where you got to make a decision. Now, your kid got to already. As the father, do you have your kid get his first or the other one? And I said, that's your choice. I wouldn't want to have to make that decision. But his kid, Pierce, is great. Like, he'd probably say, hey, let the kid hit him. You know what I mean? So, but I'm just, I'm the I'm the caller. I am not you're making that decision. For the yep. fun part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so. But, yeah, hey, thanks a lot for having me. This was a blast. Absolutely.